Good to be back with you again this week. Uh, I was only supposed to speak one time, and uh, John said, hey, somebody canceled. And I said, well, if you can't find anybody else, I'll come back. And so here I am. Uh, the, another voice. I think this series is called Different Voices, so another voice for you. Um, one of the things I would say, because I know that John is watching, at least he said he was last week, is thank you for the 27 of you that lined up last week to file your complaints against Pastor John. Um, If any of you are still here and didn't wait the line, I'll be available after the service to take your complaints. John, enjoy your vacation because it may be your last. (laughs) <laughs> and, and with that, we can segue right into this. Have you ever noticed how you can, you can be going along on a day and everything is just going great? You know, you, you wake up in the morning and the birds are singing. You actually had a good night's sleep. Your clothes feel good on you rather than trying on all kinds of different ones. And And you realize when you're walking out the door, it's going to be a good day. It's a good day. And you get in your car, and and you're about two blocks away from your house, and you hear this little rumble coming from the transmission area, and, and you think, wow, that's not good. So you pull into the local garage, and you say, hey, it's making a little rumbly noise. And, you know, the garage guy knows you, so he checks out your car, and he comes back, and he doesn't look, he's not smiling when he comes up, and he says, listen, I, something's up with your transmission. He said, this could be anywhere between two and $3,000. Your good day just went to a bad day, you know? And then, you, get, you know, they shuttle you to work, and you come into the office, and your boss says, hey, when you settle in, come see me. See, isn't it amazing? We always go to the negative. So, you know, so you are, you're nervous, you know, the boss wants to see you, you check your time, yeah, I'm on time. And then you start going through your mind that, you know, did I do something wrong? And your good day that started out, that went to a bad day, now has the potential to really hit the bottom. So you you knock on your boss's door and and he says, yeah, come on in and close the door. (laughs) Some of us have been there. I told you last week that's the only church I've ever been fired from, so I've experienced it. So anyway, you go in and you close the door, and now you're getting real nervous, and he says, listen, we've been watching you and your work, and we really appreciate the job you're doing. All of a sudden, you know, you kind of perk up a little bit. He says, yeah, you know, and, and we've decided that we would like to give you a raise, and we're going to make it retroactive for the last three months because you've been doing such a great job. Thank you. Your good day that went to a bad day just went to a good day again. Isn't it amazing how in the course of 24 hours we can go through all these incredible ups and downs, and it's true for every one of us. But what I want to share with you, because our world, if you haven't noticed, just seems like it's getting crazier and crazier and crazier. But there is some good news. The writer of Hebrews says it very clearly. And if you don't get anything else from what I say today, just carry this out with you. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In our worlds where this kind of thing goes all the time, there's a constant 
here that says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I love the, some of the music that was picked to lead us in worship, especially Psalm 91, where Jesus just says, I'm yours, I'm here, I'm your defender, I'm going to be. He's always there. He's always there for us. So be encouraged with that today. What I thought I would talk about today is a life in the day of Jesus. Because, you know, you think that Jesus is, you know, he's always, everything's going great. But I want you to see that even with Jesus and his disciples, they had these kinds of experiences. And my desire is that at the end of this, we can come away with something. Maybe we can glean something from it that we can apply to our lives this week as we face the potentials of ups and downs. So if you have your Bibles or your iPads or however it is you you go to the Scriptures, turn to Matthew chapter 14. Let me set it up for you. Jesus is with his disciples, and it would appear that it's the beginning of the day because as you look at these verses we're going to look at, there's a lot that happens in this day. And he gets some bad news. Some of John the Baptist's disciples come to him, and they share with him that John is dead. Now, this is horrible news. I don't know what kind of day that Jesus was having, but this is bad news. John, the baptizer, John, his relative, John, the one that he loved, is dead. And if you look in your scriptures at verse... 13, we read what Jesus did. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. He mourned the loss of his friend. He was sad. He got in the boat. He went away by himself to mourn, to grieve. Maybe just to remember John and and, and how much he loved him and the experiences that he had. When we experience a loss, and probably many of us here have experienced a loss, maybe recently, it doesn't matter whether it's been an ongoing illness that has lasted for years. When that person finally goes, we grieve. It doesn't matter whether it, 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 you said good morning and, and there wasn't a good evening because something tragic happened. When we experience these things, we need to grieve. We should grieve that loss. But we cannot stay there. We cannot stay there. If you look at the next portion of Scripture, verses 13 and 14, and let me go back and read 13 again. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd, had compassion on them, and healed their sick. Jesus withdrew when he got the news, and people watched where he was going. And and when he landed on the shore, a crowd had gathered. This large crowd had gathered. Now remember, he's grieving the loss of his friend. But when he saw these people, he had compassion for them. He had compassion for them. And he was greeted by this crowd. No matter what you are facing, no matter what you're facing, 
always be aware of what's in front of you. That's, that was one of the things, if we, if we look at what we can glean from Jesus' life, it's like he never missed anything because he was looking for it. There's a, there's a saying if you ride motorcycles, that where you look is where you go. I learned this the hard way almost, that if, you, if you're riding a motorcycle and you look down, chances are great you're going to go down. And you learn to look where you're going and pay attention to what's around you. Jesus was always aware of what was going on around him. Even in the midst of his grieving, he noticed the people and the crowds and had compassion on them. I'm a, I'm a licensed MFT, and I used to be in private practice, and people would come to me with, with crisis in their life and different issues that they had faced in their life, and, and oftentimes it was all they could see. It was all they were looking at. I remember when Buzzy was a little boy, I, I, um, he, he was focused on this one thing that had happened, and, and I took a black magic marker and I put a big black dot on the palm of his hand and I said Buzz can you see that he said yes can you still see it yes can you still see it yes can you see it now he said it's all I can see if we focus on that thing so much we miss what's out here grieving is real tragedies that we face in life are real but they have to be in perspective when I would see people in counseling and they'd come in and they'd get real depressed because they're just focusing on this, I would have them give away what they want. Most of them wanted to be cared for. And I'd say, go care for somebody else. Most of them wanted to be acknowledged and, and spoken to and welcomed. I'd say, go talk to somebody and welcome them. Make them feel good. Give away what you want. And Jesus was the master at noticing what was going on around him and then meeting that need that was before him. He always was there. Look at verse 15. He met their needs. He had compassion on the crowd. He healed the sick. It says, as evening approached. Now, realize, this day started out over here. He got the bad news. He went out. He came back. The crowds have gathered. He's met their needs. And now it's starting to get evening. The disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. The disciples were also noticing something. That they thought, well, maybe Jesus is missing this. It's getting late. These people have been here all day. They're hungry. They're going to need some food. Jesus, send them away. Tell them to go get something to eat. They thought maybe they had noticed something that Jesus had not noticed. Do you ever do that? I mean, think of it. You know, we, we, we are going through life and we think, hey, I've got the answer here, so listen up, God. I'm going to tell you what I think needs to happen. And then he does something completely different, and after we get beyond it, we thought, wow, that was really the best thing that could have happened. So these disciples thought they had the answer, and we're going to help Jesus through missing that it's getting late and these people are hungry. Look at verse 16. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And the disciples did 
what we so easily do. We look at what we don't have rather than what we do have. You realize that? We look at what we don't have instead of what we do have. In verse 17, he says, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. And how many times does God prompt us to do something, put something in our path that he wants us to go accomplish, and we say, I'm not sure I got what it takes. Last week, Millsy, Aaron Mills, I, I've always referred to him as Millsy, you probably do too. Um, he introduced me, and at one point he got kind of choked up. And he said, we've been friends for a long time. It was about nine years ago that I got a call from my son, Buzzy. And he said, Dad, you need to come. I said, what's up? It was a Sunday afternoon. I'd already preached two services. And it doesn't look like it takes months to preach. I mean, you only talk. But trust me, after you do it a bit, you're tired. Except for John. I don't know why John doesn't get tired. But I was exhausted. And he's, I said, well, where are you at? And he says, we're in L.A. You know, how many of us just love to go to L.A. when we're tired? And I, he said, Dad, you just need to come. I said, is his pastor there? You know, can you see? I'm trying to get out of this. And he says, Dad, please come. I said, okay, I'm coming. And I'm, I'm driving to L.A. to, and, and I'm not really sure what's going on other than I know uh, their little three-month-old Riley was sick. And it didn't sound good. So I'm praying the whole time as we're driving to L.A., Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, these people that are gathered in this room are Christians. They're in there praying. My prayer is nothing special. What do I do? And see, what I'm doing exactly what the disciples did. What do I have? What do I have to offer? And so... We get there, and I'm nervous as can be because I know that when I walk in, there's going to be an expectation, and I, I have nothing to offer. Except I've been praying the whole time driving in, Lord, what do I do? So I, I see family members in the hallway, and they're crying, they're upset. It only let a, a certain number of people in the room at the same time. And so they went in and said, Gary's here, and Marty's here. And so two came out, and so we went in. And I look on this bed, and here's this little three-month-old with tubes all in it, laying there like this, and it, it, she's out. And Millsy and Mindy are sitting here. They're just weeping. And there is tension in the room so thick because she had infant botulism. And the only medication was on the East Coast. And even if they could get it, could they get it there in time? I mean, we're looking at life and death. And so I walk in, and with tear-filled eyes, they, they look up at me. Kind of like with an expectation. And I remember getting down on my knees. And I said, look at me. 
I've come to wake Jesus up, which was quite confusing to them. I said, in, in Luke chapter 8, there's this story where Jesus is with his disciples, and they're in the boat, and they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. And as they're going, these, these fishermen, these, these people who had spent their life on the Sea of Galilee had faced storms and, and all the difficulties that come with being on the sea. And the storm comes up suddenly, and they think they're going to die. They are scared to death. And they turn around, and Jesus is asleep in the boat in the back. So they wake him up and say, we're going to die. We're going to die. And he gets, out of, gets up, and he goes, peace, be still. And all of a sudden, the storm settles down. The wind dies down. The seas die down. And there's peace. And when I said to them, I've come to wake Jesus up. Now, mind you, I know Jesus was not asleep. But I wanted them to know, I've come on your behalf to say, Jesus here. And I prayed a simple prayer that probably most everybody had already prayed that had come into that room. But after that prayer, when we opened our eyes, what was tension-filled was now peaceful. Milsey and Mindy weren't crying anymore. Nothing had really changed, but there was peace in the room and as much as a half hour before you could feel this tension you could cut it with a knife as they say you now could feel like this is a peaceful place this is peace because Jesus had shown up had I known <laughs> that what I had to give was more than enough it didn't seem like much, and I really wasn't aware of what I was going to do, but just to offer that can be enough. I want to encourage you this morning that if God asks you to do something, if something's before you and you think, oh, somebody else would be better, somebody else would know what to do, somebody else could handle this so much better, realize that you're there. Notice what's before you. You're there. Offer what you have. And watch what Jesus does with our not enough. Now, get back to the story. Verse 18, he says, bring me what you have. Bring me what you have. They bring him the five loaves, the two fish. He breaks it. He blesses it. And he gives the disciples... The bread and the fish. They feed 5,000 men, not including children and women. And after everyone's been fed, they gather 12 baskets full, one per disciple. I love that. And they come back now. Imagine that you were the one that said, we've only got five loaves of bread and two fish. It's not enough. 
And now you're walking back with a basket full. And you look at your buddies and each one of them has a basket full. Would your faith ever waver again? I mean, it's those moments that you think, wow, they'll never, ever not believe. They'll never face something that they don't think, God's got this. Keep going. Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, going ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, they were there alone because the boat had already, was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves and the wind against it. Now, these disciples, these basket carriers full of bread and fish are now in a boat and they're battling against the wind and the waves, really facing a storm. Do you think they're thinking, man, could you believe those 12 baskets? Were they saying that to one another? Were they, were they reminding one another that he truly is the son of God? Or were they focused inward, looking at what was before them and saying, I can't believe he sent us out here to do this by ourselves." What was he thinking? Why did he do this? Why would he treat us so badly? You ever do that? Look at verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. The fourth watch would be about 3 a.m. We don't know exactly when they took off, but chances are they would have left about 9 o'clock. And here they are, six hours later, and they've been rowing and going and going nowhere. They're probably exhausted. They're probably, they've long forgotten the multiplication. They're only focused on their now. Three hours ago, six hours ago, doesn't matter, it's now. Look what I'm facing right now. Where are you, God? We so easily do that, my goodness. Look at verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. I love this, this section of this story, this day. I mean, look at what they've gone through. John the Baptist is dead. Jesus is healing and having compassion. Hey, it's getting late. You better send them away. We can't feed them. Bring me what you've got. We've got nothing. Bring me what you have. And 5,000 are fed. And 12 baskets are collected. Wow. Six hours in a boat facing the storm. And now... A ghost shows up. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't get worse. Now we got a ghost out there. And he says, no, it's me. And then Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. Now realize, Peter grew up in Capernaum, 
which is right on the Sea of Galilee. He's a fisherman of fishermen. He's fished these waters his whole life. And I'll guarantee you, he has never seen anybody walk on water. And he's never done it himself. If he ever attempted, I'm sure he just went straight down. But Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. Can you imagine that first step? I mean, he, he gets out of the boat and puts his foot down and is expecting it just to go straight down. And all of a sudden, he's got some something's there. And he makes his way out to Jesus. I mean, could you imagine? He, he's just walking towards Jesus. And then he does what we do. Miracles are happening. This is great, but what about my transmission? What about my job? He took his eyes off Jesus and went straight down. Where you look is where you go. Folks, it's so important a principle to remember here that even sinking down when we take our eyes off of Jesus, when we forget the truths of his word, when we forget the things that he's done in the past, I can't tell you how many times I've told that story about Riley in different churches. One, because it was a simple thing to do, and anybody could do it. There's nothing special about this. It was just an obedient person. That question that I had enough. But in our weakness, Scripture says, God shows forth his strength. When you're looking at your life and saying, God, I don't, I'm not adequate. I can't do this or this or this. When you offer what you have, it's enough with God's help. And it's in that weakness that he really does some pretty remarkable stuff. And when we read the word and let it find residence in our heart, and when we remember the, the miracles that he's done in our past and not just push them away, is where it just comes together. I've been serving him for over 40 years. And I would love to tell you I've lived this life that just trust him. But there's been so many ups and downs in my life and ups and downs in my life and ups and downs in my life. But the one constant is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've got to keep that in your mind no matter what it is that you're facing. And I just wanted to run you through that day with Jesus, that 24-hour period of time, to show you that Jesus and his disciples had the same experience that we've had. And so as I, was, as I was thinking about this message, I don't know most of you. I don't know what you're facing. But I can tell you that as I prayed this morning, I prayed, God, whatever they walk in the door with, you know. Whatever their need is, you know. Whatever it is that you're facing, he's here and he's constant. He's, he doesn't get shook by, by the circumstances of our lives. Whether we've brought him on ourselves by bad choices 
where life circumstances just happen to happen to us. He's here for you. He's available for you. Look what Peter did. He says, but when he saw the winds and the wave, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Peter's focus got off. In verse 31, it says, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Our days can change so quickly. But my message, my reminder to you this morning is no matter what it is that you're facing, He's there, and he's the same, and he is for you. He will defend you. He will protect you. He'll walk with you through whatever it is that's going on in your life. Let's pray. Father, I love that we have these stories and these situations in your word that we can look at and and apply to our own lives those things that uh, you did for them, you do for us. These were just men and women in the scriptures that were living life and, and it's been recorded for us. And we are just men and women that are living life and, and you're still working in our midst. God, you know each heart. You know where each of us is at. You know where our struggles are at. You know where our joy is at. You know what battles we're facing. My prayer is that we keep our eyes focused on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, and that we trust you with whatever it is that we're facing. God, that you would remind us of the things that you've done in the past for us so that as we face the future and present, we could have faith to keep stepping out I just thank you and praise you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. I pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.